The grizzled old farmer looked back at his wife before leading the strangers away from the farmhouse. He regarded them each with his sad eyes before speaking. Let me make sure that I've got this right. You want me to accompany you to the temple at Borlane. You want me to perform some ritual on those bones you're carrying in that bag so that I can restore life to some champion. And the only reason you believe that this'll work is because that oversized bird lady has had visions telling her that I am the last in a long line of ancient druids. The farmer looked at each of them, saw the confirmation in their eyes, before sneaking a glance back at his wife. Well, I'll tell you. Normally, I'd declare you servants of lunacy. However, if I have to live another day with that woman, I think I'm going to put her in the ground. And from a distance, a shrill voice cut through the night air. I can hear everything you're saying. And if you think you can take me, then come at me, old man, and we'll see who gets put in the ground. The farmer didn't blink. He said, When do we leave? We're going to be addressing changing tone and pace in your story in this episode of Anatomy of a Campaign. The main thrust of what I want to talk about in this podcast is changing tone and balance within a story in order to help things stay interesting and compelling and to not have the the campaign take on an almost numbing effect by moving from one dire situation to another dire situation. And there's a number of ways I'm planning on doing that, and we'll cover those uh, one at a time. Overall, I'm thinking the, the first thing that I need to be doing in this upcoming session is clarifying the path for the party. We just went off on a sidetrack adventure that was really only supposed to be one, maybe two sessions, and it ended up being several sessions even beyond that. And I think it has ended up muddying the waters. I always find it interesting in the game where we've spent in real time from when we began the arrival at Deadfall to now is actually several months. In game, this is two days at most. From the fiction's perspective, that really wouldn't be much time at all. They would still have a very clear purpose in mind. However, from a game perspective, we'd be going back, you know, months to when the party would have had the clarity of what they were looking to do next. And that was continuing the pursuit of the Balnexicon heading to the town of Borlane. But quite a bit of things have happened, most of which were unexpected. The character Voss is, of course, no longer with us. She's just a bag of bones, quite literally. And on top of that, she has a connection to a new emerging goddess, the Morrigan. We've introduced a temporary character, or at least we think this is a temporary character for Taylor to play in the form of a Kenku, cleric of the Morrigan, who's there to guide them in bringing those bones to this temple, which is conveniently located in Borlane. There are other factors that are cropping up amongst the players, though, things that they're looking to accomplish. It's been voiced the desire to bring Caldas, the wizard character who died 
a long time ago now in real time, to bring his possessions back to his family in Ravenest. Honestly, I think that's an excuse to because the, the party has heard about Ravenest so much, uh, being the major city in the campaign. And I think some of them just want to go there and visit and see what they can find, which is totally cool. The journey to Borlane is now comprised of two objectives, the pursuit of the Balnexicon and the Hag Agoramaya, as well as the mission to have Voss resurrected. There is, however, an interim step, and that's mostly what this next session is going to be covering. No one in the party, and not the new cleric, uh, Nakiri, the Kenku, are capable of casting the resurrection spell, or performing it as a ritual. So I have established within the Kenku's vision that there is an, an old farmer whose bloodline traces back to the ancient druids from before, we're talking about thousands of years before, and this individual would have the capability to perform the resurrection ritual within the temple that is located in Borlane. And so the next logical step is to go and find this old farmer and get them to agree to help and move them along. So this session will involve traveling to this farm, and that in particular has to deal with some of the challenges that were set up in the Rootlands, specifically that they're kind of under martial law, and there are these horse soldiers, known as the Dawn Knights, who roam the area, and they could very easily be stopped. This is why they came to Deadfall in the first place, to get forged travel papers. They still have to do that. Jarrus, the bard, his whole thing was not to lead them on this sidetrack, but rather to forge these papers for them. So that's one of the first things they're going to have to deal with. And because I'd really like that to pay off, there's got to be an incident where those forged documents will have to come into play. Now, this is going to require certain skill checks on Jarrus's part, and if they turn out really crappy, well, then this encounter with the Horse Lords could actually derail us again. Such is the nature of the game, but this is something that I have to consider. The next thing is the actual druid. Now, the druid is going to be in uh, a farm. He's a farmer, and he's really old. And part of the thing that I want to do, as I've discussed, is get to a point of tonal change. I want this to be, I don't think lighthearted is quite the way to go, but I want there to be more fun comedic elements. I don't want this to be just completely dour. And in the next section of the podcast, I'm going to talk about one, I, I think, funny way to, to go about doing that. We'll see how these things all play off. But personality-wise, I'm also going to be making the farmer uh, a little bit of a, of a character, which is, I'm hoping, something that came across in the, in the intro. And the last part is Nikiri. There are communication challenges with Kenku, which I think are a pretty tall order. Specifically, you can't speak. You can only mimic, and you're supposed to just make sounds. I've given the, the player a phrase book. I am inclined to go very easy on this as time progresses. If it turns out to just be something that's extremely annoying or is hobbling the game, I, I'm going to really go lax on it. Because while it's a cool idea, it is cute. It's definitely a thing that is supposed to be a detriment to playing a Kenku. If it turns into something that's just ruining the damn game, I'm going to change it into something that does not ruin the game, and yet still brings forth, I'm hoping, the personality of the Kenku. So it's really those four things. Setting them on their path, actually paying off the setup on the tough travel and, and laws of the Rootlands, introducing them to this fun druidic character, who's not exactly a druid, I'll get into that a little bit in a moment, as well as see how this whole thing with having a PC playing a Kenku plays out.
One constraint in the coming session is that Mike is on vacation with his family, and so the dwarf Constantine is going to not be present for the bulk of the session. I have, however, communicated with Mike rather extensively because Constantine is a little bit of the leader and he should be involved, obviously, in setting up anything that's going to put the party clearly on their path forward. And so he wants to continue on the pursuit of the Balnexicon, meaning go to Borlane, would want to bring the bones to this temple. And if there's a chance that Voss could be raised, fine, he'll go for it. I don't think he'd necessarily believe it's a possibility, but he'd be willing to to make the trip, which also means, hey, we can also try to pick up this one old farmer. Maybe the guy knows something. So he's going to be a an advocate for, let's get back on mission. Let's get these forged documents. While you're all going to get this farmer, one of the things I cleared with the the character is a way to get him off stage for the rest of this session. There have been collapses in the mine, and as a dwarf, this would be almost biologically imprinted in him. He can't just simply walk away from that. He would have to go and help. It's almost the way I put it was, it's kind of like if it's the code of the sea. If you're on a ship, and even if it's not a ship that you are beholden to, and they are in trouble out in the middle of the sea, you help them. It's just the code. And so he's not holding anyone else to the code. He's going to go and do it. And he's going to meet up with these guys over at the farmhouse when the time comes. This should allow me to have the character in the beginning for the parts I need them for, and then just have them off stage so that we don't have to worry about running another player's character for the session. I don't anticipate a whole ton of issues with that. So I think all of this is going to go perfectly fine. And I, I think the party will understand and be heading towards the first goal, which is let's find this farmer. What I don't really know is whether or not they will first attempt to go to Deadfall to pick up supplies or do things of that nature. Whatever they do in that vein will be totally fine. The travel, once they leave the Deadfall area or Deadfall itself, on the road towards Borlane, which is towards this farmhouse, they will encounter a squadron of these horse lords, these horse warriors. They will want to see their papers. I may actually build this so that it's a multi-phased skill challenge for the bard. I think it would involve performance. I think it could involve deception. I actually think that there's just the dexterity of being able to put it all together. I'm probably going to put together about two or three skill checks to determine what the actual quality of the forgery is. And then there's going to be the social interaction when these guys ask to see the papers. Now, if the papers are successful, all the other checks should also have advantage, but I think it could be something a little more involved than just say, make one forgery kit check. Assuming all of that goes well, we move on to the next phase, which is the farmhouse. But before I get to that, I always like to have a plan B. If it doesn't go well, I'm going to have to have stats for what these horse lords are like. What would the horse lords really try to do with these guys? They would very likely attempt to bring them back to the garrison at Deadfall. If the party allows this, then we're going to be dealing with more social challenges back at Deadfall. And I'm not really sure how that will all play out. I think at that point, it'll be fully off the rails and I'll be improvising all over the place. If the party decides to go aggro and either run or more pointedly kill or defeat or subdue these guys, they're going to be in for quite a fight. I think it would be a hard 
fight for them, I don't know that it'll be suicide. I think it'll just be really difficult. And if they succeed, they may find themselves real renegades within the rootlands, which will have massive repercussions moving forward. I'm really hoping that doesn't happen, but we have to see. Which leads us to the farm. One of the facets of the rootlands is that the dead can often rise. And in this case, the dead have arisen and are in full assault of the rootlands itself. There's going to be multiple ghouls, a ghast leader, as well as a horde of zombies. I shouldn't say horde, like it's hundreds. There'll be a lot of zombies. They're not going to be standard zombies, though. Because again, I'm hoping to have a little bit of a fun tone in this. What's more fun than zombies? Apparently, Strahd zombies. Using D&D Beyond, unsolicited plug there, I was poking around amongst the undead and I found from the Curse of Strahd module, there are these things called Strahd zombies. And the cool thing about Strahd zombies is they're exactly like normal zombies, but they have a couple of extra hit points so they can stay up just a bit longer. And if you hit with slashing or bludgeoning damage and do more than five points of damage, you roll a d20 to see which of their body parts goes flying off. And depending on the body part, the main zombie loses certain abilities. So if you knock their head off, the main zombie is now blinded until the head is positioned so it can see them. If you knock off one of their arms, they lose one of their claws attacks. So this, this to me is, is a really cool, fun kind of thing because there's going to be zombie body parts everywhere. The arms can try to get you. The feet can't do anything other than hop towards you. The heads, I guess, can scream and try to do something so that they can get a look. There's a lot of comedic potential in this. I think it's got a little bit of a squick factor because we'll have a couple of ghouls and a ghast in the mix so it stays somewhat cool. I envision the farm as not being a singular farmhouse with a plot of land, but rather multiple buildings. So there's the house. I think there'd be something of a, a structure near where the, the roots the root crop is actually cultivated. There might be, uh, there'd be a barn. There would definitely be stables. Everyone in this region is going to have horses. And so you'll have clusters of the undead attacking different parts of it. And the other thing is that the people of the rootlands are kind of tough bastards. And so the old farmer and his wife are kind of tough and they're kind of holding their own. And the party's going to be approaching the farm to help. I'm thinking they'll be approaching close to, to, nightfall. We'll see how that goes. But the point is they'll have multiple things to decide. They won't know where the farmer is. He could be in any one of these clusters. They will see different clusters of undead attacking things. And so they'll have to make a decision on how to engage here or if to engage at all. Assuming they'll attempt to go in and save the, the old coot, eventually they'll get to some form of the scene that I played out for y'all at the beginning of this podcast. The idea is to make the this old farmer a bit of a character, uh, give him a bit of a, of a voice um, he'd be certainly a curmudgeon. He'd have a, a cool little affected way of speaking. I think he'd be a big pain in the ass. Um, as the time comes on, he'll be, you know, somewhat critical of certain things. He'll maybe have some bad habits. And, you know, the intent is for him to eventually be comic relief. How he'll be structured is he'll be very old. So a lot of his physical stats are going to be way down. And I think even some of his mental stats may have been somewhat hobbled. The, the thought here is that he would have, he would be actually a higher level character 
than the, the PCs. He would be multi-classed, so he'd have a whole bunch of different things. He'd be somewhat eclectic. But he's old and doddering and physically not what he used to be. In, in developing characters that I, I'm hoping will have a very specific impact on the group, whether that's a character that they'll like, a character they'll be afraid of, or in this case, a character who will annoy them slash be entertaining. It's impossible to tell ahead of time if it will absolutely work. It's something you just have to feel it play off the, the character's reactions and hope you can get to something that works in some way, shape, or form. So crossed fingers on that one. The last part is the the Kenku and how we're going to manage communication. I think I'm going to just let it play out in the beginning. And honestly, in that very beginning part, part of the clarity I think that's been missing is a function of not having a player that can just simply articulate everything they want to say. So I have to make sure that Taylor's very clear on the information she has and what she should be asking for them to do, and then let her, her do her thing with the Kenku and see how that works. Maybe we'll take like a, a quick little bio break after that happens, and I can kind of touch base with Taylor, see how she's feeling, and if it's something that she wants to continue doing that way, or if we need to ease up the reins and just let her start talking, which, again, I'd be fine with in the interests of keeping the campaign fun and entertaining, as opposed to just annoying to try to stick with some, some basic rule about Kenku's not being able to talk. What's going to work? What might be challenging? The battle with the undead at the farm is going to work. I think the, that the Strahd zombies are going to be awesome. I think going up against ghouls for a fourth level party is going to be a good fight that is fun. A little bit of a palate cleanser from all the tough stuff they've been dealing with. But we'll put them in a position to do some stuff and break out elements that they haven't really had a chance to, to utilize. I'm mostly thinking of the Battlemaster fighter, who unfortunately has been absent during the sessions where they could have really gotten into melee combat, but Joe's going to be there tonight, and this is going to be a really good battle for his orc, half-orc fighter to shine. I'm on the fence in terms of the farmer character. I think... Between him and his wife, there should be some interesting banter to play off. I think their general reaction to this party, especially with the, the big old Kenku bird sitting there, uh, should, should have some entertainment value. I think setting the stage in the beginning, I don't know if it will or will not work, but if I can pull that off, I think that will pay dividends to just get the party focused on. We're going to Borlane. We're bringing the bones. When we get there, we've got two things to do. Try to resurrect Voss, if that's even possible, and search for clues as to the whereabouts of Agoramaya and the Battle Mexicon. Hopefully getting us back on that track and staying somewhat focused on that will really kick things into high gear as we move into this next phase of the campaign. What I'm concerned about is that first part, being able to actually put the party on track. The bulk of the information is coming from me running one of the PCs as an NPC and a character who actually cannot speak that has to use phrases and sounds and, and things of that nature. I have allowed the druid, Mir, to interface with Nakiri, and because he can speak with animals, allow them to communicate normal. So I'm hoping as a backup that really helps to facilitate things. It'll just be a lot more fun if, if they can figure out a way to just have a free-flowing conversation. So hopefully that'll pay off. If the farmer characters fall flat and people don't really find them engaging but find them more irritating be curious to see how that all flies 
But I, I think that's a, a low probability. Even if it doesn't come off as comedic, it'll still come off as somewhat entertaining. And clearly, there's a need to have this character come with them to, to Borlane. It just gives me another voice to, to use, something to poke and prod at the players with. So I'm hoping that we can make that work, and I'm hoping that it turns out to be something that I'm going to be able to use for a couple of sessions moving forward, because I need to be entertained as well. And playing grumpy old bastards, that is some fun stuff. To recap, I'm trying to change up the tone of the session. I'm doing that by introducing characters that have more of a comedic flair or at the very least stand as a counterpart to the heaviness of prior sessions which have dealt with the gates of death, gods of darkness, fallen angels, the metaphysics of reality itself. Take a big old step away from the heavy operatic tone of that type of story and introduce something that has comedic elements, that is a little more down to earth, that's a little more goofy, the elements of the Strahd zombies, and try to just have this comic relief episode, for, for lack of a better term. I don't think it'll be a full-on comedic episode, but I'll tell you, if it goes that way, I will certainly lean into it. This has been Anatomy of a Campaign. If you're enjoying the podcast, the best thing you can do is help us extend and promote our listenership. Depending on the platform you use for podcasts, you can give us a review, you can like, you can click the heart button, or you can reach out to us on social media. I'm on Twitter at AnatomyCamp, and you can reach me via email at phil at campaignanatomy.com. As ever, no players were physically harmed during the recording of this podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>